up, everybody? Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast, presented by we've got we've got some new partners on board, Superbook Sports, as well as our old friends at Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host JJ Jerez. With me, Arif Dean today, and Patrick Stedman on the controls, making us sound pretty. We love you, Patrick. Um, we're back, Arif. We had a bit of a hiatus. Of course, the Avalanche haven't been playing. You were in Edmonton, but together we haven't been on a podcast in almost two weeks. So um, it's fun. I was in Austin over the weekend spending time in 106-degree weather, and it just blows my mind that after being in 106-degree weather, we're still sitting here talking Avs hockey, baby. June 12th. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I haven't talked to you on the show since game two of the Western Conference final that you and I were both wrong on because you said it'll go five games. I said it'll probably go five, maybe six games. Lo and behold, the Avalanche finished it in four. So uh, great time to be an Avalanche fan for all the fans and listeners out there. Great time to be talking Avalanche hockey, not talking upcoming draft, not talking draft lottery that just passed, not talking offseason contract stuff. And obviously, we're doing it in what you were in 160 degree weather, but that was only what eight or nine degrees more than what it's been in Denver the last couple of days. So, it's June 12th. The Stanley Cup final starts in three days. It could extend for as late as June 28th or end as early as June 22nd. And most of all, Avalanche are playing in this stretch because they're going to the Stanley Cup final. Absolutely, and the schedule is finally set. Right, they know who their opponent's going to be after a long time of waiting and I'm happy with it right because I believe to be the best you got to beat the best so I was cheering for Tampa Bay to make it to the final you got to dethrone the king if you want to raise that Stanley Cup to be the best you've got to beat the best that's a Gabriel Landeskog quote today from practice the avalanche actually just tweeted that out as well just as you said it which I don't even think you saw that but no, that is <laughs> yeah that is 100% the way it should be this is going to be a matchup unlike any other. This is going to be something that both teams have not yet experienced. For the Avalanche, they have not experienced this all playoffs, all four rounds. For Tampa Bay, I'm willing to go on a limb and say they haven't faced an opponent like this in their three-year run to the Stanley Cup Finals and Stanley Cup Champs twice. And I'm not taking anything away from their championships. They are you know, well on the verge of becoming a dynasty, especially if they win this series. But this is going to be unlike any other opponent that they have faced. Absolutely. I'm seeing a ton of adjustments from both sides because of that, right? I, and two really cerebral coaches, they love to overanalyze the game, both of them. So, you know, I think every single game from one game to the next is going to be a completely different showing from both sides. And these are going to be perhaps, or sorry, this is going to be perhaps the toughest coaching battle that Jared Bednar has faced yet. And uh, we'll break that down a little bit more, but mm -hmm. there is no better team in the NHL than the Tampa Bay Lightning at adjusting on the fly. None. Zero. Yep. They, they, are, get, they are incredible at it. We're going to get into all of that here. Um, so buckle up. This should be a long, you know, it's our Sunday edition of the podcast. These ones tend to go a bit long. But before we dive into all of it, Arif, since it's been so long since we've had a podcast together, just give me a brief rundown of your Edmonton experience. I mean, I know what happened from the games. You don't need to analyze uh, games three and four from me. But how was the experience? How did you enjoy being in Edmonton? Edmonton was incredible. I. Uh, it is a hockey town. They love their hockey in Canada. The arena, the actual atmosphere, um, and and I don't mean this as a slight. It was it had to be like twice as loud as Ball Arena. It was so incredibly loud there. 
the fans were crazy the the atmosphere outside the arena i had a i think it was like a 13 or 14 minute walk from my hotel to the rink and in that entire 13 or 14 minute radius everybody's wearing hockey jerseys there wasn't a single person not wearing an oilers jersey when i went into you know go have breakfast at the little restaurant down at the hotel the news anchor man on the tv is wearing an oilers jersey the the news <laughs> anchor man beside him he's wearing an edmonton oil kings junior hockey jersey it's just the entire conversation around that entire trip and just the entire city was edmonton oilers hockey their first conference final appearance since 2006 when they made the stanley cup final their first time ever hosting a western conference final at the new rogers place arena that opened up a few seasons ago um it was total insanity and it was really cool and even you know the area around the rank all the hotels the jw hotel and the marriott down there um you know it was very typical for me to walk out of a morning skate and say i'm gonna go get some tim hortons because i'm in canada and go up to the tim hortons and stand in line behind wayne gretzky and rick Tockett. and you know over to the left is chris chris cuthbert the Sportsnet voice and sitting over there is paul bissonette and the guys that spit in chiclets and sitting over there darcy kemper and jason magna just cross the street and they're going to god knows where in their hotel room just everybody was just kind of it was like this big hockey hub it kind of felt like probably what it felt like in a sense during the 2020 bubble like just everybody there was all hockey all the time it was so surreal that sounds delightful i love the, the little tidbit about the jerseys right there's a couple stadiums i guess a couple fan bases around the league that i can think of that i feel like every single person in the building has a jersey edmonton's one of them calgary and then chicago are there any that come to mind that i might be missing where you you look at the game and you just notice everybody in the crowd has an identical shirt on so yeah, there's there's quite a few cities like that, but for me it wasn't just the arena, it was the actual city. It was everybody in the city. There wasn't a <laughs> there wasn't a single person walking around in like a 3 or 4 mile radius of Rogers Place that wasn't watching the game, wearing a jersey or a t-shirt or something that was Edmonton Oilers related, ready for Stanley Cup final play, Stanley Cup Western Conference final, I should say, playoff hockey. It was just so incredible. When I was having my breakfast at the hotel, there was two or three middle-aged women beside me talking about their experiences of as being billet families for hockey players because they were watching highlights of like some Edmonton Oilers or some Edmonton Oil Kings up on the TV with the two anchors that were wearing hockey jerseys. And then one of them mentioned, I didn't hear the entire sentence. I wasn't completely eavesdropping in their conversation, but I just remember hearing the words Calvin Pickard and Delight in one sentence. And I'm like, are these, am I just sitting by Calvin Pickard's like billet family from when he played junior hockey? Like <laughs> everything was just hockey all the time. It was such a cool experience. I envisioned Tampa Bay, which I'll be traveling to next Sunday on my birthday, which is going to be really cool. Um, I envisioned Tampa Bay will be very similar because this is now their third year in a row in the Stanley cup final. And that's, you know, that makes any town a hockey town. But there's nothing like these Canadian hockey crazed cities, especially this time of year. Yeah, sounds awesome. Sounds like almost a little slice of heaven. I mean, it would be really cool to have that kind of culture where it's just flooded in hockey and only thing on anybody's mind is hockey. Um, but at the same time, if I was in that culture, I probably wouldn't be covering hockey because there's a lot yeah. more 
capable people up there, a lot more knowledgeable people. So I guess give and take, give and take. Um, but yeah, let's move on from that. That's in the past. Let's start looking ahead at the Stanley Cup final. I guess let's just start with uh, the latest from practice, right? We've had a couple practices here and there um, since the Edmonton series. Nothing too crazy, I'm sure, to speak of. Just a lot of getting back to work and trying to clean a few things up, as well as preparing for what, um, you know, either Tampa Bay or New York was going to throw at them. Yeah, the first time they took the ice, it was a lot more of a casual practice. And then as they, you know, have taken a couple more days, they've they've ramped it up. They took Saturday off. They skated here today, Sunday. Uh, a couple guys had maintenance days when it started, like Josh Manson, Devon Taves, guys like that. Uh, Burakovsky hadn't skated. Landeskog hadn't skated. Today, Sunday, uh, Burakovsky was the only one still taking a maintenance day. All the others had skated, Landeskog included, so... You know, the two guys that are missing that are injured are Cogliano and Nazem Kadri. And those seem to be the ones that we're all kind of focused on and wondering if they're going to play. And Jared Bednar said not yet when asked if they were going to be ruled out for game one. So even those two just kind of stay tuned and let's see what happens. But the Avalanche roll on the ice, Darcy Kemper, Pavel Francouz, um, they're, they're ready to rock, man. This is going to be an incredible series. And they know that there's going to be a lot of preparation needed to get going on Wednesday. Yeah, interesting to see a couple guys in and out of practice that maybe we weren't even expecting to miss any time, right? Like I know I know Josh Manson missed a, a day, but that's kind of the luxury they have right now. That if you are a little banged up or you just need a quick little break, they have they had the time, right? It's winding down here as the games start on Wednesday, but I mean having that much um, of a week to to just prepare, I mean it's it's such a a luxury again. It's been six days. I mean they they finished the series on Monday in Edmonton, and they stayed put. What's the point of getting on a flight late at night and you know yeah. being exhausted on an airplane? They stayed put, flew back Tuesday, took Wednesday off, skated Thursday, skated Friday, took Saturday off, skated Sunday, and they still have two more full days before they have the preparation day on Wednesday. So you know that's the beauty of sweeping a series. You have all this time, and people always talk about rust, and to me, rust doesn't matter not nearly as much as the fact that in the playoffs especially before the stanley cup final rest is and recovery is so damn important not just for the injured guys like kadri and cogliano who are benefiting from this but even just the regular guys like manson like you said burakovsky and them yeah i mean we're not gonna have the rust versus rest convo because we've we've had it in the past and we've seen this team you know thrive when they have that rest so it's not going to be a hindrance at all but i heard an interesting thought from the 32 Thoughts podcast, um, when Jeff Merrick was talking about rest versus rust and how typically when the team that's resting, it doesn't really take effect until, what do you say, like at the middle of the series, game three or four of the series, right? So they might look a little bit rusty, but the rest kicks in and helps them kind of uh, overcome some things later in the series. So I'm interested to see how that plays out, especially since Tampa Bay is not exactly going to be exhausted coming into this. They're going to have a decent rest themselves. I mean, yeah, but also no, because they played Saturday and they'll be playing Wednesday. Their series went one game, you know, one game below the limit of seven games. They finished it in six games. And, um, my favorite part about, well, you know, this is going to sound really cruel to say it as my favorite part, but like the best part for the Avalanche is that Tampa Rangers series was mean. Like there was a lot of hits. There was a lot of fights. Anytime those guys dropped the gloves or hit each other, Jacob Truba cracked a guy yesterday, Lafreniere and Stamkos, you know, had a fight in game five at the conclusion, the final buzzer. So just a lot of crazy things were happening in that series. 
But in regards to the rest versus rust thing, so there's a scenario, obviously, where a team that sweeps the prior round plays a team that went seven games in that prior round. So think Avalanche Vegas last year. Vegas went seven games. The Avalanche swept the Blues. Think Rangers and Tampa Bay this year. Tampa Bay went four games and swept the Panthers. The Rangers went seven with the Carolina Hurricanes. The cool statistic is the team that swept the series versus the team that went seven games, the team that swept the series has lost every single time since 1999 until the Tampa Bay Lightning in this series. There's been about eight or nine of these scenarios, and the team that went seven games always won the next round. Just like Vegas beat the Avalanche, just like the, uh, and then obviously Tampa Bay ended it this time around. So that's just a really cool statistic that for once the rest overcame the rust. And that also has to do with coaching adjustments along the way. But that's something that's going to benefit the Avalanche, especially going into the Stanley Cup final. This is the round where I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. By the time you get to the fourth round, the quality of on-ice hockey sucks compared to previous rounds, but the intensity and energy is so ramped up that you don't realize it because every moment matters. But the Avalanche are going to have a lot more rest going in. They're going to feel a lot less banged up. And I say that lightly because I know Kadri and Cagliano were hurt and there's like four other guys taking maintenance days, but it's going to be worse for Tampa Bay on that, on, in, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you talk about um, Tampa Bay coming in banged up, right? And that's been a discussion for a couple of years now, right? They've been playing so much hockey, they got to be wearing out. But, I, I, you know, watching that Eastern Conference final, like you said, it was physical. There was plenty of fights. There, They weren't backing down from anything. Do you see this Tampa Bay team starting to maybe experience a little fatigue here? I mean, 100%. Uh, is that f- fatigue like a guarantee that they're going to lose this series? Absolutely not. But... It's, it would be silly to say they're not fatigued. I mean, 24 months ago right now, the Lightning had no Stanley Cups, and we were still about seven or eight weeks away from the actual bubble playoffs starting. So they have played, what, four, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 series in the last 22 months because August 12th was around the date that the actual series started because before that was the round robin. So in 22 months, the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is their 12th playoff series plus... 56 regular season games in 21 and 82 regular season games in 22. They play a lot of hockey. It would be silly not to say that they're coming in fatigue. They're just used to it at this point, right? They, yeah. This is this is what they do. This is this is exactly what they do and you know, they've had a lot of new guys come in that keep the energy high and keep you hungry. So Corey Perry's one of those. PR Edward Belmar, old friend uh, of the Avalanche that signed with Tampa Bay last summer. Uh, that's another guy. Those are the types of players that you start to play for. They went out at the trade deadline and paid a lot of money. They paid a lot of assets to get guys like Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul. Nick Paul has paid off immensely, to say the least. Brandon Hagel, not so much yet, but that's a guy that could turn it on at any time. And that's a guy that's under contract for a couple more years after this, I believe. So, um, you know, they, they have guys to play for. And that doesn't even take away from the fact that the the Stamkos and the Kucherovs and Hedmans and Vasilevskis and Points and Sorellis and Sergachevs, all of their regulars, their constants, their Kalorns, their Palats, these guys want it. These guys want to build that dynasty. They want to be the team that wins three straight, the first one since the 80s. They want to do it, and they're going to be hungry as ever to do it. So will they be fatigued? Yes. Is that going to deter them from, you know, 
stealing this series or t- not stealing, but taking the series from the Avalanche. It's just it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, it's a who knows, right? I feel like the series as a whole is is just a toss up. I mean, looking back to round one, we knew the Avalanche were going to steamroll the Predators. Looking back to round two, we didn't think it was going to be easy, but we knew the Avalanche were going to handle the Blues just fine, considering they swept them a year ago. Then going into round three, we knew the Avalanche weren't going to have a tough time with Edmonton at all. I especially. But going into this round, it's tough to call because especially like if you look at the last... Okay, okay, these guys have met each other in the regular season six times since 2018. So it's hard to even really compare past games, past results, and, and look at that sample. But every it, single past game was so much fun. It was Yeah, there's a lot of one-goal games in there. The Avs went 3-2-1 and one in those last six games. Um one of those was a shootout win. One of them was an OT loss. So really yep. close games. What I noticed in those games, too, a lot, I went back before in preparation for this show and kind of tried to, you know, do a little analysis. In those last six games, you saw a lot of production from guys like Landeskog, McKinnon, Ranton. And, I mean, between them, they had a vast majority of those points in those games. So the Avalanche are likely going to have to lean on those guys. Do you, do you remember the 7-6 game? Uh, was Francis in that? No, it wasn't Francis. This was the this was the eighteen nineteen season. The Tampa Bay Lightning had a five to two lead heading into the third period, and the Avalanche fought back and only lost seven six. It was one of the more mm-hmm. Nikita Zadorov scored a bomb slap shot from the blue line. Like everything was going in that night. It was one of the more entertaining games I've ever seen. And then the following season, they had the game that was just as entertaining. I believe Tampa Bay ended up winning 4-3, I want to say. Maybe they added an empty netter. It was unfortunately the game where Miko Renton had went sliding hard into the boards and, and separated his shoulder um, You know, as that injury pre-COVID. And then this season, they've had a couple games. Last year, they had the one, or also in that 2020 season, they had the one where Tyson Jost, of all guys, scored a hat trick. So there's been, like you said, some really fun and entertaining games between the two. But... To move on to the point that I want to make, looking at it from an avalanche standpoint, after I talk for three minutes, look looking at it from an avalanche standpoint, it's exactly what you said. It's, you know, they played the National Predators. We knew that they were probably going to take them. And, you know, they ended up facing David Riddick and Connor Ingram. They uh, faced off the St. Louis Blues. We knew it would be tougher, and it was. But they we knew that they would probably take it. And they were facing off against Bennington, who got injured, and then Billy Huso. And then Edmonton and Mike Smith slash Miko Koskinen, you kind of felt the same way. And now everybody's talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning have Andre Vasilevsky, which they do. And this is going to be much tougher competition than anything that the Avalanche have faced. Well, here is my response to that. It is the exact same thing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Toronto Maple Leafs were a tough matchup in the first round. However... The Toronto Maple Leafs haven't been able to get out of the first round in so many years. You kind of sensed, and and I'm going to argue that Toronto was their toughest competition. Uh, The Florida Panthers in the second round, I hate to say it again, but I'm going to say it again. The Florida Panthers season this year was a hoax. They weren't as good as their record set in the regular season. They were riding those three-on-three overtime points right to the playoffs. They struggled with the Washington Capitals, and then the Tampa Bay Lightning put them in their place. They only scored three goals. Getting into the third round, they dodged the Carolina Hurricanes bullet. They played the New York Rangers that were kind of, I don't want to say in over their heads, but it was a surprise that they were even that far. Overachieving. Overachieving. Even bigger surprise. Mm -hmm. They remind me, if you remember, the Winnipeg Jets of 2018. 
The Winnipeg Jets came out. They got it to the third round. Everybody was like, this is their year. Vegas beats them. We haven't heard from the Winnipeg Jets since. Maybe the Rangers will continue this, but that's kind of the sense that I got. So Tampa Bay in itself, and then if you go back series before that, they had the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. They obviously had a tough matchup against a defensive team like the Islanders. In the second round, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes in five games. In the first round, they beat the Florida Panthers in six games. And then if you go to 2020, they had Dallas. They had the Islanders. They had the Flyers. Or sorry, they had Boston and they had Columbus. This is going to be, from the other standpoint, the Tampa Bay Lightning, just as hard a competition as we're looking at it from the Avs, where we're saying the Avalanche haven't faced anything like this. They haven't had a matchup like this. The Lightning are feeling the same way. I like it. I'm with it. I think we should break that down a little bit more in depth. But first, I got to talk to you guys about our new friends over at Superbook Sports. Summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with the usual vast betting menu, of course, they're going to have Hockey Stanley Cup. I'm so excited to put some action down. But Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're still thinking about our hockey bets, though. That's for sure. Damn, I'm... I'm a little torn there. You did the entire ad read and you read the phone number that I usually read. Oh, yeah, it wasn't nearly as long as the old one, so I yeah. figured I'd just knock it out. Plus, that no, was no, the first fine. one. It's fine. It's fine. You, you could take it from me. It's okay. I could see you, too. You weren't on your toes. You were checking your Twitter or looking at how many likes you got. So I had, <laughs> I had to take it, put it on my shoulders. But, yeah, let's get in in depth on this series, right? I think, like I said, it, you look at those past regular season games and the top guys were carrying a lot of the weight. So you anticipate that. You anticipate the Landeskog muck it up in front of the net goals. Nathan McKinnon's going to do his thing. We hope to see Miko Rantanen keep doing what he's been doing. But I think where you really got to look at this matchup is the depth, right? I think that the Avalanche depth is, is the reason that they're here. The reason that they've gotten this far is all because of those bottom six guys. How does that compare to Tampa's bottom six guys? What do you see in that uh, in that matchup there? So are we talking Tampa Bay's bottom six with a healthy Braden point or with an unhealthy Braden point? Because it's looking like Braden's getting real close to returning, and that's one of the best playoff performers of the last decade. I would say whatever you predict he's going to be. Is he going to be available, ready to go, or do you think he's uh, going to be missing some more games? So I think he's going to be ready to go potentially game one. If not, then probably by game two because of that two-day break between games one and two. Um, it kind of reminds me of the Avalanche missing their you know second-line center in Nazem Kadri, where both of these guys are probably going to return at some point. Wouldn't be surprised if it's within the first two games. It's just a matter of how valuable are they going to be when they come back. But with Braden Point, the Tampa Bay Lightning have recreated the third line. So we've talked for years, for years, for months about the fact that they've lost their entire third line of Barclay Goudreau, who, by the way, they just beat with the Rangers, Blake Coleman, and Yanni Gord. Well, they've recreated it. They got a young boy, a young boy. Jeez, I'm struggling today, JJ. They've got a young kid named Ross Colton who scored the Stanley Cup game-winning goal in the playoffs last year against Montreal. Ho-hum, no big deal playing with their two new acquisitions that I was talking about, Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul. That's their new third line. And then on the fourth line, it's the all-veteran 
my favorite line in the NHL. We have talked about it for months throughout the entire season of Pierre-Edouard Belmar centering Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry. That line right there reminds me so much of a healthy Andrew Cogliano with Darren Helm and Logan O'Connor. The Nick Paul, Ross Colton, Brandon Hagel line reminds me, you know, not reminds me so much, but is pretty on par with JT Comfer, Andre Burakovsky, and Alex Newhook slash potentially Nicholas Abe Kubel. So they've got the depth. When we're looking just at the bottom six, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that can match the Avs guy for guy on depth on forward and guy for guy on depth on defense. They got Miguel, Mikhail Sergachev playing on their third pair, which is similar to what the Avalanche would have with Bowen Byram if Sam Gerrard was healthy. So it's just a lot of good talent on both of these teams, and Tampa Bay has the depth to match up with the Avs. My only worry is that guy, Pat Maroon. Um, I know he's not the most skilled hockey player, but he he knows how to score goals and he knows how to do it in physical, violent ways, right? And that's what I'm a little bit nervous about. That that physicality picks up. I don't know if the Avalanche have that fourth line to compete with that, but, but that's not what the game's about. So I'm not super worried about it, but I just don't want that to knock the Avalanche off a rhythm, knock them off their game, or have them start thinking about things that maybe they don't need to think about. I'm confident they'll stay away from it because they've proven all playoffs long that they don't like to get into the to the nonsense after whistles, right? But Tampa Bay seems like a team, especially that fourth line, that's going to egg you on and really, you know, twist twist your skin. That's not a saying. Dang it. They're gonna <laughs> really going to poke the bear. There we go. They're going to continue to poke the bear. Yes, that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like you said, the Avalanche haven't really like they haven't committed to that style of play at all. We've seen a couple of times where like uh, I think it was Josh Manson and Zach Cassian. Cassian was kind of going at Manson the entire shift. And then at the end of the shift, Manson kind of turned around, looked at him and just slashed his stick out of his hand and just gave him a look like I'll go with you if we have to. Um, Andrew Cogliano's not scared of that kind of game, granted, with, you know, an injured finger that he just had surgically repaired. Who knows how much of that he can do. Uh, we also have Logan O'Connor on the fourth line who's very willing to do stuff like that. JT Comfort hasn't shied away from that style of game in the past. If Nicholas Abe Kubel's in the lineup, we know he's going to muck it up. Nazem Kadri, even with an injured thumb, we know he's going to muck it up. Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Eric Johnson, Kale McCarr himself. Like The Avalanche have the guys that can match up with it. Um, as long as it, they don't let them, th- they don't let Tampa Bay doing it throw them off their game. Uh, then they they can handle it because you don't often see fights in the Stanley Cup Final. You see a lot of after the whistle stuff um, and things like that are going to be led by guys like Patrick Maroon, but you don't often see fights themselves. So it's going to be a really interesting and fascinating aspect of the series because the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last couple of years have kind of turned into this more of a. Uh, bullyish, like they've become bullies on ice. They've played more of that style game, grinding down teams. And uh, it's something the Avalanche haven't had to face yet. And when they have faced it from teams like Edmonton and St. Louis, they've done it when they're in the driver's seat leading a series three to one or three to nothing or something like that, where it hasn't really mattered. So I'm really curious and intrigued by that aspect. But what we do know from that line If Corey Perry was to stay on the fourth line, which I doubt, but if he was and he was going to play with Belmar and Maroon, we know Belmar. 
all three of those guys are going to be doing exactly that. All three of those guys are going to be playing that role, and they're going to try their hardest to get under the Avs' skin. But that's the DNA of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Darren Helm, Andrew Cagliano, Logan O'Connor, what they've given the Avalanche this playoffs is the DNA of the Avalanche. The Avalanche's fourth-line center is scoring goals with three seconds left against the St. Louis Blues in Game 6 to win a series. The Tampa Bay Lightning's guys, yeah, they're getting goals as well, but they're playing to their DNA of really being those bullies on ice. So it's going to be kind of a clash of two different uh, ways to play a game, and uh, we're just going to have to see who wins it. But I'm really intrigued by that aspect. I'm really intrigued to see if Tampa Bay can get the Avalanche to play that kind of game. Yeah, it's you know it's going to be their ammo. I'm just I don't think the Avs are going to be intimidated intimidated by it at all because we know they don't back down. But I just if it gets to a point where we're constantly seeing Logan O'Connor or Darren Helm trying to you know scrum it up with a Pat Maroon, I I, I think there's a vast size differential there that might you know give the Avalanche the disadvantage and get in their own heads. That's my only worry. I don't think it's a super big worry, but that's my thought when it comes to the depth. Yeah, and I mean. They're, they're, they're going to have to handle themselves pretty well with that. And it's not going to be easy. And, and like the Avalanche, again, they're not intimidated. Like you said, they have the guys that will that are willing to do it. But the reality is Patrick Maroon is a lot meaner than Andrew Cagliano. Uh, Corey Perry's a lot more meaner than, than guys like uh, Darren Helm. But they're going to have to hold their own. This is what they do for 7 to 10 minutes a game. And... Uh, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this aspect of the series. Um, you kind of touched on the defensive groups a little bit. Let's look at those uh, just head for head here. Head to head. <laughs> um, the, the blue line. What do you, what do you think? How do you, who compares? Who wins that matchup just on paper? Just on paper, it's hard to, it's hard to go against the avalanche right now. Um, the way that I see it, look, at the very top, we have... Kel McCarr and Victor Hedman. Pick whichever guy you want to pick to say that he's better. Uh, more traditional hockey guys will say Victor Hedman's better. Uh, other guys will say what Kel McCarr has done in this playoffs, you know, will ultimately prove that he is the better. But this series will determine a lot of that. But when you look at the guy that plays with the top line guy, Jan Ruda and Devon Taves, you're taking Devon Taves any day of the week. The second line is also very interesting because I'm going to pretend Bowen Byram and Eric Johnson is your second pairing. That goes pretty well against Ryan McDonough and Eric Cernak. Cernak plays a meaner game, but he's the younger player. Ryan McDonough is the more well-rounded, but he's the older veteran. That's the opposite of the avalanche. The Bowen Byram is the more well-rounded player. Eric Johnson is the bigger, meaner body. Those two kind of match up pretty well. Zach Bogosian on the third pair versus Jack Johnson on the third pair. Very similar type of players. Josh Manson, Mikhail Sergachev, two different you know points in their career. Sergachev versus someone like Sam Gerrard would have been a you know a, a more a, a better comparison. But when you look at the defenses of both these teams, I think the biggest difference, the wild card for me, you'll notice that those last four names I just listed, very on par with each other. Not that I'm saying Josh Manson is better than Sergachev, but in terms of their roles, they're very on par. Kel McCarr, Victor Hedman. Let's face it, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. The wild card for me is having that number seven, Devon Taves, and having Tampa Bay bringing out someone like Yan Ruta, who's been great on the top pair, plays really well with Victor Hedman, but he's not Devon Taves. And this is with the Avalanche missing Sam Gerrard. So this goes to show just how deep this defense is and how it's something that the Tampa Bay Lightning have never seen before. 
And we've discussed all season long how much of an impact that the defensive group has on the Colorado's offense, right? I mean, the structure is literally built for them to thrive, and they they've figured out how to thrive in the in that structure. They they know how to get pucks on net. They know how to uh, contribute when it comes to uh, assists and even get some goals here and there. So yeah, I, I honestly give the edge to the Avalanche because of that offensive capability that we've seen all season long from those guys. Yeah, I feel that as well. Um, and it, and like that's not even including the fact that just the level Kilmacar is playing on. Um, you know, Peter and I talked about this a lot during our post-game podcast in Edmonton, but Kilmacar is far and away the favorite to win the Conn Smythe and deservedly so. He has been the best player in the world during these Stanley Cup playoffs. Better than Connor McDavid, better than Nathan McKinnon, better than Leon Draisaitl, better than Kucherov, better than Hedman, better than Vasilevsky, better than Shosturkin, better than Panarin. It's been that guy, Kale McCarr. And the level that he's playing at is, is unlike anything I've seen from a defenseman. Not just in a very long time, but probably ever. And I watched Nick Lidstrom in his prime. So what Kale McCarr is doing is is something that Victor Hedman himself might be in awe of over the next couple weeks. I think it comes down to experience, though, too, right? You were mentioning how uh, an older hockey mentality might pick Victor Hedman. Uh, maybe the newer age mindset takes Kale McCarr. But I think the other caveat you throw in there is when do you need it? Are you needing it for right now? Because then you might lean Victor Hedman because he's been there before. He's done it. He knows what to do. Kale McCarr's all still figuring this out on the fly. And, uh, you know, obviously his first Stanley Cup final. So, I love what Caleb McCarr has done. He's been phenomenal. I don't think you're exaggerating at all by saying he's been the best player in the world these playoffs. But um, you know, you 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 might want to give that edge to uh, Victor Hedman just because he's been there, he's done it. And that's why these next couple of weeks are going to determine that mm-hmm. in a big way. Hundred percent. These next couple of weeks, these next sixteen days between now and June twenty eighth are going to determine if we're going to look at Kel McCarr differently than we do now. Because if he beats Victor Hedman in a head-to-head matchup after the season he's had where he's probably going to win the Norris Trophy, after the playoffs he's had and the way that he shut down Connor McDavid, and I say shut down loosely because McDavid still had seven points, um, people are going to look at Kel McCarr in a much different light. And this is a guy that is under contract for five more years at $9 million. Like... Shout out to Joe Sackick for that deal. And uh, if Kel McCarr can slay this dragon, that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he's not going to do it alone. But if he wins this matchup against Victor Hedman, then the entire NHL, not just people in Denver, not just you and me, the entire hockey world is going to be talking about Kel McCarr as of July 1st of this year as the best defenseman in the NHL. And that's probably going to be like that for the next decade. But he's got to win this matchup. You know Tampa Bay's game planning for him, and you know that they're so committed to structure and they're so committed to playing the way John Cooper wants them to play that they might have a strategy for him. So just like you're saying, we'll see how he reacts to that, how he adapts, and, and what he ends up doing. It's going to really um, you know, add to his legacy and add to his, I guess, quote-unquote, arrival in the, in the league, right? His legacy. He's been here for three years. Just, <laughs> what, what a guy. What a talent. Victor Hedman, his first three years... Uh, it took him a little bit longer to be the dominant force that he is now. In his first three years, there were talks of like, oh, should Tampa Bay have just taken that Matt Duchesne kid instead of Victor Hedman? And now look where this guy is. So the fact that Kel McCarr is doing this so quick in his career is just, it's its unlike anything, man. hes He's so good. And let's look at the goaltending matchup here. I know we, we all know Vasilevsky is the greatest goaltender in the world right now. I don't think there's many arguments from anybody on that. But... 
What's your realistic expectation for this goalie matchup? I know, again, Darcy Kemper might be a little bit worse, but how do you think these uh, battles are going to go down? Darcy Kemper doesn't need to be better than Andre Vasilevsky. And uh, to put it lightly, Darcy Kemper is probably not going to be better than Andre Vasilevsky. Darcy can't win you the series. He just needs to make sure he doesn't lose you the series. That's all you need if you're the Avalanche. After all the conversations we just had about the depth and the defense and the way that they match up, if you're the Avalanche, you have the upper hand in all these other categories on paper. Again, I got to stress on paper because Tampa Bay's been there. They've done it before. So they have the upper hand in that sense. But on paper, the Avalanche have the upper hand in all these other parts. Tampa Bay, it's no secret they have the upper hand in goaltending. The only way the Avalanche have the upper hand in goaltending is if both starters get hurt. The Avs can rely on Pavel Francouz. Tampa Bay is going to be shitting bricks with Brian Elliott in that. <laughs> That's the only time that the Avalanche have the upper hand in goaltending. What you need from Darcy Kemper is not for him to try to be Vasilevsky. It's not to, for him to try to be better than Vasilevsky. It's for him to not lose them this series. But for Vasilevsky himself, he hasn't had the best playoffs in terms of what he's done in the past. We've seen him against the Florida Panthers go out there and crush it. He led in three goals in, in four games. We've seen him against the New York Rangers adjust, which I'm going to get into that in just a second, the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning in general have been adjusting. But the last time that the Tampa Bay Lightning played a team like the Avs that have the star power the Avs had on offense was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the goals that the Toronto Maple Leafs scored in that series, they had five, three, five, three, four, three before game seven when Tampa Bay won two to one. That's how many goals the Toronto Maple Leafs offense was able to put past Vasilevsky. There's probably a couple of empty netters in there. Uh, I think there was only one empty netter in there. But that's a lot of goals that he let in against a team that was as offensively gifted as the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's probably what the Avalanche are going to need to do in this series to win it. And we touched on it at the top of the show, right? There was a couple games in there where the Avalanche did put up six or seven goals on Vasilevsky. So it is... It is doable. It's just about um, how he's feeling on any given night. That's why I think it's super important for the Avalanche to get away from what they've done all playoffs long and make sure they're not giving up that first goal because I feel Vasilevsky is extra dangerous when he has that one goal lead. He is, and um, the other thing is to take into account is, so he's very dangerous when they have that one goal lead, but also the Tampa Bay Lightning are... They, they don't sweat it when they're trailing in a game when they're trailing in a series they're not down on the cell they're not down on themselves at all and I'm really curious not that I have a you know a pulse of what the Tampa Bay fan base is like but especially after that series against the Rangers and the way that it goes if you're trailing one nothing in a game or three nothing in a game or you give up six goals in the first game and you're down one nothing in the series and then you lose game two and you're down two nothing in the series, Who's to say this team can't readjust and win, win and come back and win? So they kind of have it both ways. When they're the ones trailing, they don't sweat it. But if Vasilevsky's got a one-goal lead, it's almost impossible to beat this guy, especially when he's feeling it, especially in big-game moments. The biggest thing for Vasilevsky is big games. In his last nine series-clinching games, he's let in two goals. He's got seven shutouts, one goal against the Maple Leafs, and yesterday he let in one goal against the Rangers. The other seven series clinching games were all shutouts, and that includes both Stanley Cup final clinching games against the Canadians and against the Stars. So he thrives in the big moment games, but the Tampa Bay Lightning, when they're trailing, they don't sweat it, and that's something the Avalanche are going to have to adjust to. When they have a stranglehold of a game or a series, 
you cannot let up even a little bit. You cannot give up games like you did in game five against the Blues. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of strong components to the Tampa Bay Lightning. A lot of things that uh, the Avalanche have to keep their eyes out for and a lot of things that you should be nervous about. But I think that's all structural. I think that's all game plan. If you look at the lineups, player for player, aside from the goaltending, player for player, it feels to me that the Avalanche have the, the stronger team. But that being said, all the scary components of this team that we've just mentioned, in your opinion, what makes them dangerous? What makes Tampa Bay a scary opponent for Colorado as a matchup? Their resiliency. It's their ability to adjust, their ability to win games. And, you know, this isn't even taken into account that they're a, like, supremely talented roster on, you know, on that bench for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it's their resiliency. So let's take a look at the Rangers series, for example. So the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game one, Rangers take it six to two. Game two, Rangers take it three to two. And they barely fought to get that third goal. The next four games, two goals, one goal, one goal, one goal. The Lightning trailed two nothing in the series. And in the series, they were able to adjust. It's almost as if this team spends the first game or two. Same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs won game one, five, nothing. And Tampa Bay took game two, five, three. The Maple Leafs scored seven goals in game three. And the Lightning still won that series. They won four. They won three of the next four games. And they still defeated the Maple Leafs. It's almost as if these guys are so good. And they know they're so good. That they come into a they come into a series almost like a boxer or a UFC fighter that comes in in round one doesn't want to strike, but just wants to feel out their opponent before they strike, that kind of reminds me of what the Tampa Bay Lightning do. So if you're the Avalanche, and if you're Avalanche fans, and I have to say this to our listeners, if the Avalanche come out and win game one big, and they take a two to nothing series lead, and they go to Tampa Bay, and they've got a two to nothing lead in game three in Tampa Bay, that's exactly what the Rangers had and the Lightning still came back from that 2 to nothing lead and still won four straight games to end the series. This team's got that killer instinct, that resiliency. They spend the first part of the series feeling out their opponent. They take the notes. They register what they need to do to beat them, and then they come at you and they beat you. And, and that, to me, is the biggest thing that should scare the Avalanche. At no point, you could be up 3 to nothing in the series and 3 to nothing in the third period of Game 4. At no point can you feel comfortable and feel that you're going to win this series until the final buzzer sounds of the clinching game. The Avalanche cannot feel like they've won the series. As soon as they have that feeling, they're going to lose. And to a lesser extent, you could say the same about the Avalanche, right? We've seen them bounce back all playoffs. We've seen them bounce yeah, back all true. year. We've commended their mindset and their ability to uh, wipe off a loss, right? That's been really impressive so far. But... At the same time, my biggest worry is the respect that they're going to be giving the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, we've heard yeah. throughout this entire year, Jared Bednar, on his own accord, has brought up John Cooper as kind of a guy he reveres, as a guy he you know, respects in the league. Again, the, this, the, the team itself, we've watched them for a couple years just be a dominant team. Nikita Kucherov, one of the best players we've ever seen, one of the best goal scorers, and they just know how to get it done. So I, I'd hate for the Avalanche to feel like they've got that, that Tampa Bay has the upper hand because of that and give them too much respect out of the gate and maybe you know lose a game or two early on in the series. They need to come on and understand that they were the better team this year in the regular season. They've been one of the most potent teams for a couple seasons as far as offense goes, and they can easily hang with this team. Respect is my biggest 
fear um, heading into it. That's what makes Tampa Bay scary, in my opinion, is how much the Avalanche respect what they do over there, especially when it comes to the coach. I actually feel it the other way around. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you in this sense. I'm going to say that the respect is good because the respect has been earned. It hasn't been given to the Lightning. And if you're the Avalanche, you have to respect your opponent and knowing that you're facing a tough competition. I would much rather the Avalanche come into this knowing that they got to bust their ass off to win than the Avalanche coming into this and thinking like, we're the Avs, we got this. So the respect thing is fine. The The part that I do agree with you is if the Avalanche of 2020 or of 2021 made the Stanley Cup final, they would give them way too much respect and that would probably lead their to, to their demise. The Avs of this season, you contradicted yourself when you first spoke about their mindset. Their mindset this year, the way that they've handled themselves throughout the playoffs, the way Jared Bednar has handled himself throughout the playoffs, the way that it's almost like you can't beat this team. And when you do, the two times that the Avs have lost games in their 14 playoff games, they've only lost twice. Like, let's not forget about that. But the two times they have, the first time Nathan McKinnon came out, spoke to media and was all positive. The second time, Nathan McKinnon scored a hat trick. The Avalanche blew it in game five against the Blues, and they still came out the next day and ended the series. This team has a far greater mindset than we've ever seen from them. They're so businesslike. In Edmonton, when they won, they came out into the, the media press conferences. Arturi Lekkinen, Gabe Landeskog, Eric Johnson, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, uh, Pavel Francouz. I forget if there was one more person we spoke to, uh, I think Kel McCarr spoke as well. Every single person enjoyed the moment. And we've heard Nathan McKinnon talk over and over again about this like new maturity that he has of enjoy the journey. Let's not, never forget to enjoy the journey. He has said those words many times. Eric Johnson, we we saw him get teary-eyed talking about this moment. Gabe Landeskog talking about EJ being his first roommate and how he never thought they would get here. Just like some really touching moments in that media room after game four in Edmonton. But every single one of them said, job's not finished. They weren't even asked. And they still said those words. This team has a far greater mindset than anything before. So while I just spent 10 minutes t pumping up the Tampa Bay Lightning and pumping their tires, I'm going to do the same thing for the Avalanche. Because for once, the two best teams in the NHL, the two most deserving to play in the Stanley Cup Final, are actually going to play in the Stanley Cup Final. And that's what's going to make this such a great series. I hear you for sure, but it's a completely different stage, right? I don't want them to get lost in the spotlight and think, oh, wow, we, we made it to the Stanley Cup Finals and, and have their, you know, like a deer head caught in the headlights. But at the same time, I saw a really cool clip. Um, I think it was from ESPN, right? Because they really ramped up their coverage and their in-locker room presence for whatever they're going to show us once this is all said and done on the run for either team. And Jared Bednar was in there saying, hey, just like in a loss, we got to put this one behind us, right? And they've been so good at putting it behind us, moving on and thinking about the next one. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm confident that they can do it again. Just, again, I don't want them to get caught up on the uh, the bigger stage. But that's also why you have the importance of veterans, right? That's why the veteran presence was something that Joe Sackick went in, attacked at the trade deadline. Of course, Tampa Bay's got veteran presence of their own, but now I think the Avalanche have a pretty decent veteran presence uh, to match it. 
They do. Darren Helm is a is a big character in that locker room, and having him, you know, given the career that he had with the Red Wings, especially in the early years, is going to be huge. Having someone like Cogliano, who was in the Stanley Cup final against the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple of years ago, is going to be huge. Having guys like Josh Manson, guys like Darcy Kemper, who have never been there but have been around for a while, these are the guys that are going to help you in the locker room, and these are the guys at the Avalanche are going to need to step up. And, and the cool part about the Avs is, you know, Tampa Bay, yeah, they have the veteran presences, and then they also have their main core guys have been here before. They're the ones that have run the show in the NHL the last couple of years. But for the Avs, their main guys, the Rantanens, Landeskogs, McKinnons, and then let's throw Kale and even Nazem Kadri into that mix. If you take out Kale, a lot of these guys, these guys have been around for a very long time. If you take out Miko Rantanen, well, Landeskog, McKinnon, and Kadri, these guys have all been here for 8, 9, 10, 11 years now where even though they've never been to the final, they understand what this means. They have a lot more maturity than what's the thing we always hear from young guys that win it in their first year. We heard it from Darren Hell. Someone wins a cup in their first year and they say, oh, this is easy. I'll be here again. This is easy. I'm going to win another one. And then you don't realize how hard it is until you get back to the Stanley Cup final you know, a decade later. Someone like Tyler Sagan won it in Boston in 2011, hasn't been able to win it since. Someone like Darren Helm won it in his rookie season with the Red Wings, hasn't been able to win it since. The Avalanche's older guys, they don't have that mindset right now. They know the, they understand the feeling. They understand the importance of this matchup. McKinnon's been here for eight or nine years. Gabe Landeskog, a little more than that. Nazem Kadri a little more than that because he was drafted in 2009. They all understand what it means to be playing in this. So, the Avs have the veterans, but even their core guys are really going to be able to understand what this moment means. That's such an excellent point because if you say Colorado Avalanche veterans, your mind immediately jumps to Helm, Cogliano, yeah. maybe even EJ, right? But you talked at length there about Nathan McKinnon's maturity and how well he's carried himself throughout this playoffs and throughout this season as a whole, and he He's the one that leads the way. So those are the veterans that everybody's following this along nine, with nine the season in the NHL. Can you believe that? Yeah, wild stuff. So yeah, those they're no spring chickens, right? Yeah. Um, cool, cool. We got to take a quick second to talk about our good friends over at Total Beverage. Everybody already knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know that they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. All right, Arif, we let's start winding down the show. The analysis is over. We broke down every piece of both teams. It's prediction time. What do you think is going to happen in this one? I, and again, I started the show with saying this one's a toss-up to me, right? I think it's 50-50. It's really hard for me to predict um, at all what, what it's going to be. So let's give it a shot and see who's right. I got the Avs in six. They're going to they're gonna win the Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay. They're going to do it with those white jerseys just like they did in the first three rounds. Well, that's great because that was my answer too. So <laughs> I, I guess just, that's quick. Like... For for every hockey fan outside of Lightning and Avalanche fans, you want the series to go seven, but someone's going to take control and win it in six. I think it's going to be the Avs. Yeah, and uh, you know, part of me likes to think there's a little pattern to it. The first cup they won, they won it in Florida. The second cup they won, they won it at home. Third cup they're going to win is going to be in Florida. 
they're going back to Florida to win this one. And this is another cool thing that I've noticed. And I think I mentioned this to you because I started traveling in the third round. I've never seen before getting to Edmonton. I've never seen a handshake line in person. And COVID played a part in that because technically they won game five, and I use air quotes, at home against the Arizona Coyotes, but it wasn't at Ball Arena slash Pepsi Center. So they beat the Blues on the road. They beat the Preds on the road. They beat the Oilers on the road, the clinching game. Last year, they swept the Blues and beat and clinched the game on the road. In 2019, they beat the Calgary Flames on the road. In uh, 2014, they couldn't win a series. In 2010, they couldn't win a series. You got to go back to 2008, the first round against the Minnesota Wild. They were the lower seed. They won it in six games. That was the last time that the Avalanche had a handshake line at Ball Arena that they won. So I think that streak's going to continue. They're going to win it with the white jersey. They're going to win it on the road and in Tampa Bay. I like it. I like it. I guess looking at the uh, final as it comes up here, aside from the hockey what part of the spectacle of, of the entire thing, what part of the bigger stage that I referenced earlier are you most looking forward to? Because obviously we talked about how everything was leveled up for the conference final. Everything's going to be leveled up again yeah. for the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you and I were texting about this earlier in the day. The, the way that media has handled media credentials and the way that the NHL has basically come in and, and taken over complete public relations of the Avalanche and their, and their facilities for the, for the Stanley Cup final this is big man like this is genuinely big and like nathan mckinnon says make sure you're enjoying the journey i say this to you i say this to me i say this to all the fans make sure you're enjoying this journey this is going to be such a fascinating and cool couple weeks the stanley cup final ends june 15 it can go as long as june 28 it's going to be a good fucking time enjoy it i'm 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 looking forward most to the spectacle of what it's going to mean to cover this i'm looking forward to the fact that in the first round, we saw national media. In the second round, we saw more of it. In the third round, we saw more of it. But there was always a piece of the national media that was missing because they were out covering the Rangers in Tampa Bay. Or they were covering Eastern Conference Series in the, sec in the second round. Or they were covering the uh, Edmonton Oilers-Calgary Flames game Series in the second round. Well, now everybody's focus is the Colorado Avalanche everybody's focus is the Tampa Bay Lightning and everybody's focus is the Stanley Cup final. It's going to be a packed house from head to toe. We're talking fans. We're talking media. We're talking press box. We're talking media rooms, press conferences. All of that stuff is going to be packed and all of that stuff is going to be so much fun and that's what I'm looking forward to most. I'm with that. Um, I think Colorado fans for any sport, are really good at enjoying the ride. I remember Broncos Super Bowl runs. Obviously, everybody in town loves the Broncos, but even Nuggets runs, you have a lot of people hop on that board. Rockies runs, every, everybody hops aboard that train, is what I meant to say with the Nuggets. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the way it sweeps the town, right? You start to see people that you otherwise wouldn't see in, in their avalanche gear. Maybe they have to pull it deep out of the closet, wipe off the dust. Wow, I haven't worn this since 01. But you start to see the people wear it. You start to see more Avs logos around town. And it, it just catches like, like, a, like a scary fire. Man, I'm bad at my yep. metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not just the people that are wiping off the dust of their old jerseys. It's new fans that are going out to buy their first jerseys. New fans that go out there, see the blue numbers on the road jerseys, and that's all they'll ever know because that's when they became a fan, and that's because of this Stanley Cup final. 
Yeah. So I'm excited to see they're going to be doing watch parties at the Tivoli, right? I think they're trying to kind of mimic what we've seen in other big time watch party towns, right? Those Edmonton watch parties look nuts. The Calgary watch parties look nuts. The ads are going to do their best to put one together at Tivoli. So um, I think it would be... It, what's, the, what's Tivoli? Tivoli is across from Ball Arena over in the Auraria campus there, right? It's kind of like their um, central... It's like a cafeteria and stuff for all the college students that go to Metro, they go to CU Denver. They're all there on one campus. So it's kind of like a a little uh, central area, but there's a lot of space. They've been rent they've been renovating that campus for a few years. So um I think it'll it'll look pretty good on television. So, um So they're gonna put up big screens outside basically in, right. in this in this green area that I'm looking at right now. Exactly. And um Sick. you know so that cool. the, I hope that the Avalanche fans come in big numbers and, and show how that fever has swept this town like I'm mentioning. That's going to be so cool. That's that's actually something I was curious about because the Edmonton Oilers have their own like pre-created like ready to go tailgate area to watch out so outside games. The Temp- the Toronto Maple Leafs have it, the Tampa Bay Lightning have it have a Tampa Bay Lightning have it right outside of Amelie Arena. So I was genuinely curious if the Avalanche were going to bring one. We've seen new arenas when they're built, they automatically built it into it. Like Little Caesars Arena has it built right there where the first time the Red Wings go on a run, that will be there. Rogers Place was built a season before the Red Wings arena opened. They already have it pre-built. So I was really curious and that's going to be so much fun. I'm so pumped for that. Yeah, and don't forget they're going to have it for home games too. So if you can't snag a yeah. ticket, you know the prices are going to be up. Go watch it at the watch party with everybody else. They're calling it the Colorado Avalanche Pepsi Zero Sugar Watch Party <laughs> on the Tivoli Quad at Auraria. It's a mouthful, but um, yeah. I think it's something we might all want to check out. As long as the and in about up. And in about two decades, Ball Arena is going to take that over too from Pepsi. Yep, indeed. <laughs> the Ball Corporation, I should say. But yeah, I got uh, one more prediction that I want to put out. I'm not going to go as crazy as saying Stanley Cup clinching goal. But after watching Jack Johnson score on opening night, I think he's going to get a Stanley Cup final goal. Some way, somehow, Jack Johnson is going to score against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's going to have two career goals with with the Avalanche. Opening night of the regular season and sometime in the Stanley Cup final. How great would it be if it's the final goal in the Stanley Cup final? An OT game, you know, the Avs take the fourth win on a goal by Jack Johnson. Kind of like... You and Croup did back in 96, right? Ended on yeah. a Jack Johnson clapper. I think Gabe Landeskog, I think he's going to be my game breaker for this series. Like I said, he's always had an impact in every Lightning game in the past, at least since 2018. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge impact here. And as long as he's carrying the weight, I think the Avalanche can follow suit and uh, just put put the Lightning home, score the goals that they've been scoring all year. I've got Kel McCarr having a massive offensive series. Right on, right on. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited. This is the week. It's time to start. And that was our podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Let's get our closing thoughts out there. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how we approach this next week and what we do. You know, we're going to give you those post games. And you know, Leaf Guy is going to, Leaf Blower Guy is going to be there. <laughs> Leaf Blower Guy is going to be there, although we've kind of ramped up our podcast equipment where hopefully we don't pick up as much of it. Um, and then in Tampa Bay, like I already said, I will be traveling to Tampa Bay for games three and four. And, you know, if there's a game six, I'll be there as well. But uh, myself and Peter Ball will have you covered from Amelie Arena. Yeah, I may or may not go. I don't know. We'll see. Would love go. to see you. My brother sent me a message that sick fuck five seconds after the final buzzer sounded of Tampa Bay versus the New York Rangers and said, I'll see you in Tampa Bay. And I responded, question mark. And he responded with a screenshot of a flight that he just booked and a ticket to game four that he just purchased 
literally just as Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, I, I, he spent way more money than he should have. Apparently, it was even more expensive to come to Denver. So this dude is coming to Tampa Bay because he's a sick fuck. We're hockey fans. It's what we do. Um, and uh, for the last couple days, he's been saying the Avalanche better sweep so I can see the cup in game four. And I said, probably not. <laughs> I just love Florida. It's such a relief yeah. to me that the, the trips are going to Florida rather than grungy, grimy New York City. I've actually never been to New York City, so I hope <laughs> I didn't offend anybody. I really wanted to go to New York City. I really wanted to go. Oh, the, the beaches of Florida are so much prettier than the concrete of New York City. Yeah, that's true. But did you see the rainstorm that Tampa Bay had la- last night for game six? I mean, they get some pretty wild oh, rainstorms down there. Monsoons. Yeah. They had some ridiculous... Yeah, some crazy-ass rainstorm. I have uh, Greg Wyshynski on Instagram, and he was posting videos of the shower in his bathroom on the 12th floor of his hotel was leaking from the roof, just like this downpour of water. And then he goes to the window, and it's just like this crazy-ass rainstorm. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be Ubering to the arena. I'm not going to be walking the 10 minutes I wasn't able to. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, let's get this series going i'm excited i hope everybody's excited as well i mean you know they are but uh you know let's approach it with confidence and positivity and and not nerves and uh negativity we don't want any of that yeah for sure uh this is going to be a lot of fun uh before i close out i do want to give a we haven't done the three star selection in a while so we won't call it a three stars but i do want to give a shout out to my real estate agent jeremy jerez also known as jj jerez uh after a horrifying year of being in the Denver housing market. I finally closed on a house on June 1st, doing my first podcast from that house right now, sitting on the new couches I just got yesterday without a roommate, without anybody to keep my voice down for. I'm going to kind of say it kind of similar to what Gable Aniscog had in that video when he uh, re-signed and signed his contract. I'm not fucking leaving. (laughs) <laughs> I'm here. This is my third season here. I didn't even know if I was going to make it past a year or two. I didn't know what my position at Mile High Sports was going to be. But I closed on a house. And the very next day, I jumped on a flight to Edmonton to cover a road game in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in my life. And here we are two weeks later. I'm still sitting in that house. I'm covering the Stanley Cup final. I'm turning 29 in a week. And I'm loving it here. So shout out to my real estate agent. Shout out to the Avalanche. Shout out to Nate Lundy at Mile High Sports. This has been epic. This has been so much fun. Shout out to all of our listeners. Our podcast numbers have been fucking through the roof the last two months. Shout out to Patrick Stedman for making us sound good. Shout out to Peter Ball for joining along the way. And shout out to everybody that has made this possible. This is going to be so much fun. Absolutely. Life is good. Absolutely. Enjoy the the ride. And absolutely thank you for the the shout out there. I appreciate it. You know, we got to make money somehow in this. But on that right note, here. if anybody knows an electrician or a plumber or a <laughs> locksmith or all the many things that I suddenly need help with, please, oh, please let me know. I've got you. I've got all <laughs> those contacts. I've got all those affiliates. Arif, I'll send them your way. But yeah, all right, we're losing We're losing everybody. So thanks, <laughs> everyone, for hanging out with us. Let's enjoy these playoffs together. Um, we'll see you at game one. Don't forget, you know, interact with us on Twitter. Arif's I will make sure. Yeah, I'm active on Reddit, on Twitter, and I'll make sure that we get uh, more of those Peter Ball food takes on the road. Those were a lot of fun in Edmonton. So uh, we had some chip taste testing after game four. So we'll, we'll, we'll have a little bit of those. We'll see what Florida has to offer. Great. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I can see the excitement in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and everybody, I hope to see you 
uh, fill up that Tivoli watch party. You know, let's let's make Denver look good. Let's make Denver look like a hockey town that it is. Other than that, thanks for hanging out with us. Oh, Eric's got one more really thing. Really quick, before you, before you, I'm, I, I got to cut right. you off one more time. I kind of hinted at this whole season, but I'm going to say it now because this is the last one, two, or not one, but two, three, or four home games at Ball Arena. If you're at the game, hit us up. We'll try to come down at an intermission and say hello. We'd love to meet our readers and, and what better time, our readers, our listeners, and what better time than the Stanley Cup final. So let me know. Hit us in the DMs or tweet at us. Yep, I'm with it. Um, that's it. That's all for us. So thanks for hanging out with us here. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty heart, your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out here. Let's enjoy these Stanley Cup finals. Thank you.